Hello and welcome to Next on WQLN. I'm your host, Marcus Atkinson. Uh, thank you for joining us again today. Today we are joined in studio by special guests, uh, Tamara Johnson, Tamara, community advocate, welcome to the show. Miss Ann Young, community advocate, welcome to the show. And Craig Heidelberg, owner of Dapper Don Styling Line, Lounge and one of the co-founders of Men Building Men, welcome to the show. And lastly, Mr. Robert Manis, brother Felix Manis, welcome to the show. So on today's show, we'll analyze a couple things. First, we'll analyze the um, fairness and unfairness of the child support enforcement system. We'll talk about the documentary, Where's Daddy? by Philadelphia documentary filmmaker, uh, Rel Dowdell. And lastly, we'll talk about the Felix Manis case that's caught so much attention in, um, in the city of Erie, great deal of protest, uh, died in police custody, and obviously was incarcerated over a child support issue as well. But first, I want to take you back to uh, 2008, and I want to talk about an individual who was dealing with his own situation. This, this person was in one of our southern states in South Carolina, and this person, court, court records said that showed that he spent about six months in jail, over $6,800 in back support. He also spent single nights in jail both 2011 and 2012 for missed payments. Now, unlike other states, South Carolina does not allow any modifications to support orders if the parent is incarcerated. So this person's debt accumulated while he was incarcerated. The last payment for this person was on July 20th, 2012, according to court documents. And there was a bench warrant for his arrest that was active since January 16, 2013, per a court hearing. At that time, this person owed $7,836, but the amount increased to more than $18,000 at the time of his death. Now, as I'm breaking all of this down, this probably sounds familiar to you, and if it does, that's because it's the story of Walter Scott, who was shot on April 4, 2015. Now, people see Walter Scott on the video getting out of his car as um, Officer Michael Slager pulls him over. And when he gets out and runs, we hear from the media that the probable cause of him running was because of his child support history, because he feared he was going back to jail for not support. This is a piece of that story, the backstory on that, if, if you weren't aware of it. I want to give you a feel for what South Carolina was like where child support is concerned, because I know just in personal conversation, People would see that video and say, well, why, why would you get out and run from law enforcement? Why would you just, wouldn't you just sit there? But that fear compelled him to get out of his car. So we'll pull up some stats from South Carolina at that time and give you a feel for what Mr. Scott was dealing with leading up to that. According to a 2009 survey of South Carolina County jails, one out of every eight inmates or 13.2% of the inmate population was in jail for contempt of civil court for falling behind on child support payments. The number was 15% in Charleston County where Scott owed his support. A 2010 study revealed that 98% of parents being held in contempt for non-payment of child support did not have legal counsel. That's significant. 95% of parents held in contempt were sentenced to jail with an average sentence of three months. Again, all of this is playing out in the world of Walter Scott leading up to his arrest and his eventual demise. 75% of parents at that time were currently or previously unemployed or having difficulty finding work. So this is all from the Huffington Post article, uh, April 10th, 2015, written by uh, Christopher Mathias. There was a lot of mitigating circumstances at that time, but one of the things I wanted to point out was to summarize, when someone accused of criminal action faced any sanctions for that state at that time, they had a right to a state-appointed attorney if they could afford one themselves, but at that time, no right existed for a parent accused of owing child support. So a right to a state-appointed attorney was afforded to people in court if they couldn't afford it unless it was for people owing child support. So as Paul Harvey would say, this was the rest of the story that kind of led to Walter Scott getting out of his vehicle and making a run for it um, at that time. You all remember that story of Walter Scott. Oh, definitely. Give us some of your thoughts and some of your takeaways when we watch that play out on the news. As a community activist, I, I really did think, what, why was he running? Why was he running? What was the reasons for it? Because 
generally people don't run. Um, I did feel that there was probably some type of legal issue that was in the background. And what that legal issue was, I did not suppose. Um, I never supposed that it was child support that he was running from, never at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thoughts from the panel? Well, for this man to run, you know, he, he, was, he was afraid. And, and, and for somebody to be afraid behind child support to the point of being in a situation like that and fleeing is the, the, the only option because you don't want to go to, to jail mm -hmm. is, 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 is absurd. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's something that should never happen. Mm -hmm. He should never be put in that position by the system mm -hmm. to have to flee and be, uh, you know, uh, afraid for his life basically mm -hmm. on so many levels to, to, to cause that to happen. For that to be a decision that when the police pull me over, I'm going to run mm -hmm. because I don't want to go to jail for child support. And one of the reasons we wanted you on the show was because not only you're a community advocate for these type issues, you had your own personal issues where this is concerned. This is touch, touchy because, you know, I was careful not to have people on the show if they wanted to talk about a situation with their significant other. But your ex-spouse is not in this city. Yes, he's not in the city. It was also a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, there was a situation, you know, where he actually owed over fifteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars in child support, and the police were looking for him and wanted me to actually call them to come pick him up when he came to visit the children. Mm. So, in other words, there I would have been calling the police on my ex while the kids are present, and I don't think that's something children should have to see. But I do think that he had a responsibility mm -hmm. to support his kids. This is a very polarizing topic. You talk about support enforcement. There's multiple sides and multiple layers when it comes to a story like this. And you can take it from multiple vantage points. You can take it from the vantage point of the father. You can take it from the vantage point of the mother. You can look at it from a systematic standpoint. And we want to touch on a little bit of that as well. And as, I, as I'm talking to people leading up to this show, one of the challenges was, well, how do we narrow this down? Because it was like a, a, a bullet being shot in a, in a metal box. It, it just ricocheted all over the place. But one of the things that I found interesting was just the history of child support. And I want to touch on that shortly. But overall, uh, give us a snapshot of how this conversation plays out in all of your personal worlds uh, where support enforcement is concerned. Don't everybody rush to the mic at once. Well, I think that the child support uh, issue. Uh, and real quick, Craig, I know you're a barber. Absolutely. This is where all the good conversation yeah. goes down. You don't yeah. have to make it a personal conversation. Right. But what are you hearing on this topic? Oh, man, I hear that guys that are being, some guys have more than one job. Some guys have no job and could care less. But the guys that, that have the jobs and that are present and, and um, active in the lives of their children, and as far as rearing them goes and taking care of them, uh, they're with women who, for whatever reasons in their relationship, are vindictive. And if they feel like the relationship is, you know, going down, then the, 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 the mother uses child support, the system, to kind of control this guy, you know. And I have other guys that come in who could care less about the kids, the mother, anybody, but they, they just float through. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's and, and, and it's the other guys who, who who are placed in the situation and say, "Hey, I got to do what I got to do because the system don't care how I get the money. They could care less what I do to get it. They just they just say get it. They know I don't have it. They know I have a household over here, and I do what I can. My kids aren't starving, so they take from my household." and could care less how I survive, and I have to survive, mm -hmm. you know? So if they're taking $500 out of my check every month, that's putting a dent when I already take care of the children. Mm -hmm. I already do that. It's just not on any paperwork. Understood. You Tammy, know? you see this from both sides on a regular basis. Uh, give us a, give us a, on a regular basis, give us a picture of what that looks like. Well, <clears throat> I also see women who are put in that position, mm -hmm. um, who are primarily um, the primary uh, breadwinners in the family, um, women 
um, of color in my experience have in our community have a lot more funds available through them through education and that type of thing and so they do get higher paying or wage earning jobs and I see that when they split that um, sometimes you know the children may go with the father and she has to pay spousal support and she has to pay um, those type things and um, so I see it on both sides I do see that that um, folks go after what they need I think that my my greatest concern is that as Craig was saying that no one really takes into account that both individuals children or not have to find a place in which they have to be able to provide for for uh, I'm sorry they have to provide for themselves and then have a space where they can have a safe space for their children mm -hmm. and then at that point what do we do? I mean, we know how much rent costs in the city of Erie. We know how much food costs in the city of Erie. These folks have to have um, exchanges. Um, where are we going to have these exchanges? In our community, we don't have a place where we can take um, our children to have healthy exchanges even. Um, there's a lot of things that falls into if she gets upset or if he gets upset mm -hmm. um, for the exchange of the children um, beyond just the support order. So suppose they just came back from court and he has had a $50 a month increase and he's a little bit angry about that, you know, and she's not in a place of caring about that because she has to pay the electric bill, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I think that a lot of times we don't understand that whoever the primary parent, custodial parent is, that that money is supposed to go to that child's portion of those bills, ah. not just shoes, mm -hmm. not just clothes, not just food. We're talking water, electric, gas. We know what the gas prices are here mm. for heating. So there's is more to it than just that I just put on a new pair of Jordans for my kids or that. Let me start walking through this this timeline. Jennifer Wolf uh, wrote a great article about this in liveabout.com on March 9, 2018, and she outlines all of the different steps taken legislatively that led us to here right now. So I wanna go through three of them and I wanna throw this back at you guys. The first one was in 1910, the Uniform Desertion and Non-Support Act, which basically um, held fathers accountable for not taking care of their children when they deserted their families, if you will. Now this was something that was, in, was a jurisdictional thing, but what happened frequently at that time was fathers would escape by relocating to a jurisdiction that hadn't adopted the law. Right. You go from that. This is 1910. You go from that to 1950, the Social Security Act Amendment, which basically now you're looking at parents that are on welfare and they, they quote 10 of the temporary assistant and needy families. And so this purpose of the amendment was to force parents to be accountable for providing for their children. And to this day, custodial parents applying for government assistance are asked to provide information about the location of other parents of the other parent for this purpose. And the last one that I want to quote before we throw it back to you is the 1950 Uniform Reciprocal Enforcement of Support Act. And this basically allowed states to pursue parents across state lines. They wanted to deal with this escaping to a different state. So here's the point. You look at the dates, 1910, 1950, 1950. America was a different time and place. Mom and dad, Moms, by and large, were staying at home with children. Dad leaves. Mom is put in a precarious position, right? Many people would argue today is a different America. Are we past the point of assuming that the mother should be and is the more suitable custodial parent? Speak to that. We're definitely past that point. I mean, because men, and I see a lot of men, uh, uh, I was uh, a single parent once upon a time, and I was raised by a single parent. I was raised by my mother, so I know how to rear children. I know how to take care of them, you know, as a man, you know. So uh, the mentality of women can only do that is, is definitely old. Mm. It's definitely old. You know, we were at a family gathering and a cousin of mine who will go unnamed because he caught a lot of heat for this. <laughs> he said, um, equal rights, 
equal problems. And when he started unpacking that, he said the bottom line is that the behaviors that once upon a time was attributed exclusively to men, be it uh, sexual irresponsibility, uh, going out and getting drunk, hanging with your boys, not being responsible for your day-to-day things. Getting... Women are equally as active in these activities now, if not more. So, yes, equal rights is hit. So why are we assuming that you're the, the, the more stable and more fit parent Automatically. nowadays? Right. Ladies, what do you say to that? Even as a female, I don't think that you can assume that the female is always the better parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who... You know, he does his daughter's hair. He braids his daughter's hair. I think that's pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. And in my family, there's a gentleman who uh, raised three boys on his own, two of which um, have some uh, difficulties, one of which is um, severely autistic. And he is a professional. He got a degree. Um, He runs a, he's an executive director in in the community. Um, one of his sons is in college, one's on his way this year, and he does it, and he gets it done. And one of the most fabulous cooks I've ever, I I prefer his food to mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah, so he's getting it done. But I, that being said, you know, you mentioned some things about legislation that was going on at the time. Legislate, we, we need to understand that these laws that were put in place was also at a time when women weren't even allowed to initiate divorces. Mm. And women weren't allowed to initiate court cases. Um, so those things were put in place because women had no voice, let alone women of color. So let's put that where that is. Right. Let's put that where Very it is. Very interesting. <clears throat> and then as we move forward, understand that some of the laws on the books that we have as far as housing and all those type of things, it's a little segue that I'm getting ready to throw, was put in place so that same-sex couples could not do certain things. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it hit us on... Uh, custody issues, it hit us on homeowner issues, um, it hit us it on so many levels um, throughout the country um, that, that was not its original intent. Mm-hmm. So now we move forward. How do we move forward? And like I said, I'm a community activist. I am for citizens' rights, not male, not female, to do the right thing. I believe that we were put on this earth and should be moving on this earth to do the right thing because it's simply the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the right thing to do in these particular situations, I believe, is to look at both people's backgrounds and mm-hmm. incomes to see where the support should be. It should be more balanced mm-hmm. in that way um, to understand where we come from. Um, that uh, The article that we were, you were reading and quoting from about um, folks in prison, understand that if you get sanctions on the federal, federal level and you're in public housing, your rent does not stop. You still owe that rent. Whether you get welfare, social security, whatever, you still owe that. So the income might not be coming in, mm-hmm. but you still owe that. See, so, the- so those are the things that throw you for a loop mm-hmm. when you go and you say that, okay, so I gave you $200, where did it go? Well, the kids were sick, so I didn't. I, I got sanctioned for ninety for ninety days. So, so, so <laughs> Tammy know. opens the proverbial Pandora's box that this issue turns into. I, I appreciate your take on going back and with the women's rights because all of these things come into play for some reason, which is why that that whole going from one thing to the next, even with going across state lines, every step it seemed wanted to try to address a particular thing, and so when you look at all of this whether you're talking uh, from the vantage point of mom, dad, the system, the fact that it seems to always be forgotten, what you hear less and less about is what's best for the child. Right. So you spoke about your situation uh, very briefly, Anne, where the police wanted you to call. You didn't want him picked up in front of his children. Give us the why and talk about this from the effect of children, in your opinion. Um, The effects on children, you know, having the police go after their parent is huge. Um, You never um, want to downgrade the other parent in front of the child. Um, The video that you gave us, uh, Where's Daddy? Mm -hmm. The documentary, wow. Um, Those were heart-wrenching situations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, situations where 
you know, other parents talked about talked about the kids, and what that does is that ruins the child's self-esteem because they still relate to that other parent. And so, in my situation, I did not want my kids to know this um, adult situations that were between myself and their father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Craig, you helped found find a um, you co-founded an organization called Men Building Men. Yeah. Give us the backstory on that, and then I want to tie that into this issue. Well, that was just a. a, a uh, a group of guys and myself um, that, that that noticed some things about about uh, individuals that were trying to come out of the streets altogether, getting out of halfway houses and uh, jail, uh, and we wanted to help them navigate through the hardships of 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 their restart, you know, their reentry, and. Um, Guys in those situations have a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have starting points. We, at one time, I didn't have a starting point when I started. So, we 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 just got together to, and and came up with some 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 plans, some solutions to those everyday issues for the guys. Mm-hmm. And child support is is it always comes up. And that's what I wanted to. That's why I wanted to bring you into this because you're dealing a lot with guys that are involved in, in some way, shape, or form with this revolving door of the prison industrial complex. The recidivism rate here is ridiculous. It is. And obviously children are coming into play. These guys that are in and out of jail, mm-hmm. there's kids involved here. And these guys are, they're, they're actually trying and they get frustrated because of the, um, it's, it's, it's like, okay, if, you, if, if, if I'm trying to do right, I don't wanna go to prison. I'm, 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 I'm doing a straight and narrow. And then I get put in a situation where my child's mother decides to do the child support thing. Now everything is fine until that. See, now I'm faced with it. Now they're faced with a situation to say, jail is almost inevitable now mm. because I can't afford to pay what they're saying I have to pay. And, it, and they don't seem to care how I get the money. Now it's putting me in a place to say, okay, they only care about money. Mm. They don't care your, where it comes from. Now the, these guys are forced to, to juggle uh, uh, righteousness with unrighteousness mm-hmm. and say, should I go hit the streets or go get a ski mask or go get a package? Because bring, they don't care. You're bringing me to my next two laws that I wanted to focus on. And you said that the system, quote unquote, doesn't care. In 1967, mm-hmm. the Social Security Act Amendment. And the long and short of it is this, that the government began requiring each state to create a means for establishing paternity and collecting child support on behalf of children receiving federal assistance through AFDC. 1974, Social Security Act Amendment. Again, this one dealt with what they call the IVD, um, title IVD, because that portion of the legislation, IVD, required states to establish their own individual support, which, which is what we just discussed. But these title IVD cases are cases where child support collection is being facilitated through a state's Office of Child Support Enforcement, as required by the Social Security Act Amendment. But here's the last point. The amendment also allows states to receive funding and receive incentives for collecting child support in IVD cases. So enter the mindset of, you know what, this is a business. This really isn't about the children. No, this isn't about the mom. This isn't about the dad from a system standpoint. This is a business. What do you say to that? Tammy, we'll start with you because you, you came locked and loaded this morning. I see. Where are you at with this? Yes, 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 yes. I'll start it and then I'll let Robin go from her <laughs> perspective on, on this business. Um, Oh man, it's 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 as we unpack this whole thing, as as you were saying earlier, it's a whole Pandora's box. It is. It's a whole you one thing drops and something gets picked up and something falls away. And there's no and, goal to and, bring resolution and, in this fifty seven minutes because we cannot. At all. <laughs> but the idea though is goes back to what you were saying earlier. We're trying to do what's best for the children legislatively. Mm-hmm. And so this whole idea of the Social Security Act and, and, and Pennsylvania has a, a really sh- difficult way of dealing with it. When you're, when you're a commonwealth, the whole idea is supposed to be to protect everyone. So the fact that um, someone is asked to step up for their children, the, the government sees that that's what you're supposed to do in, in the state of Pennsylvania. So if you're married to a woman, 
Um, that child is yours. End of story, no question. That's just that. Now, whether you're paternally that child or not, a father, it doesn't really matter. You're, you're his father, her father, and you're expected to take care of that unless you legislatively move to handle some things um, and until she legislatively moves to handle some things. Now, that is still up to, sometimes, the jurisdiction of the judge who handles that or mm -hmm. the court-appointed person who handles that. So, so there's a lot to be said even before we get to how much you pay. <laughs> it comes down to whether or not you're that person's, mm -hmm. that person's parent. Mm -hmm. so, so then we get to the point, okay, so who's going to take care of this child? The federal government and the state don't want to because for whatever reason, you people chose to have a child. Um, and they feel that it's your responsibility to do so. Now, as a community advocate who works for responsibility in our community, mm -hmm. um, some might see, uh, see me as conservative in this, I believe it is the parent's responsibility to take care of their child financially. I believe that. Um, however we get there. I'm not saying as a male or as a female. It's your job to do that together. Mm -hmm. And when you choose to have that child together, then you choose to work through this until this child now, according to law, is 25 years mm -hmm. old, not 18. <laughs> well, let me do so. this then. So I'm going to add a couple, and then I'm going to throw this back at you, Robin. I'll go with the last two laws before we move on to the next segment. 81, Omnibus Budget Re Reconcilia Act of 1981, which basically authorized the Internal Revenue Service to withhold federal income tax funds. They're closing in slowly but surely. If you are trying to escape, they're closing in. But then the last one, 1998, the Deadbeat Parents Punishment Act. And this is, this, I'll read this, the supplement to the Child Support Recovery Act of 1992 increased consequences for parents who willfully choose not to pay child support. According to the, the Deadbeat Punishment Parents Act, parents can accrue fines of up to $10,000 and face up to two years in prison for failing to pay child support to a child who resides in another state. So now we're talking about locking people down. Robin, you talked about your situation earlier. Um, as, a, as a custodial parent, where, how does it feel for you to say this other person is X amount behind, put him in jail? whether they pick them up at your house or not. So um, my ex did spend, um, two, he did go to jail twice, six months each time for non-payment of child support. Um, my child is now over 18 and he still owes over $5,000. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't speak to the jail time. I think there has to be something to make parents support their children. Now, I think it has to be equally on both parents' part. And I wonder if this isn't so much, I mean, the child support system is definitely broken and needs an overhaul. But I wonder if it isn't so much about the system as it is back looking at poverty. Mm. Because for sure, I, you know, with what you're saying, and even with the documentary that you shared with us, it was heart-wrenching to watch those fathers say, you know, I have my child for four or five days a week, or, and I'm scraping, going to the dollar store, trying to get stuff for lunches, and um, it's, it's heart-wrenching to watch that. Mm -hmm. But I know for sure, seeing, I've seen it on the other side. Mom is doing the same thing. Mom is moving apartment to apartment because she's trying to keep a roof over their head, and, you know, I, I get that Dad is doing that, but then maybe it's maybe it's deeper than child, mm. child support. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's the fact that a rental apartment costs between five and six hundred a month, sure and does. people are working at McDonald's and working two jobs, and you know they're working two two small jobs to try to get half the amount that they owe for for rent. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, that go ahead, Craig. A lot, and then we'll go into this documentary segment. I see a lot of cases where you know a guy and a girl hooks up, and a baby ensues and and the guy has a job or goes and gets a job and the mother of the child goes and gets on welfare automatically the welfare shoots for the the dad and now he's faced with going to prison when i i went and got a job or i already had a job i had a child and then the mother goes and files for welfare and now i'm in a situation where prison is now an option Mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a 
again, very polarizing topic. And usually when you unpack it, it breaks down into gender. <laughs> Women saying this, men saying that. And there's somewhere in the middle. Tammy, Tammy is dedicated to keeping yes. us in the middle. Yeah. And yes, that's why I'm is. grateful to have her on the show. Yeah. But you talked about the documentary that I sent to you all. And, you know, as I was researching this, speaking to friends of mine in Atlanta, speaking to friends in the D.C. area, and people kept referring to this documentary by Rail Dowdell, a documentary filmmaker out of Philadelphia. The documentary is called Where's Daddy? And so I, I pulled the clip for it and was so intrigued and fascinated that I took time to watch the film. But we want to show the clip so that we can discuss it a little bit. I'm glad everybody got a chance to watch it. But this is um, the trailer for Where's Daddy by filmmaker Rel Dowdell. As you know, for today's contempt hearing, Mr. Tate, you had to show that you did not deliberately disobey the court's order to pay child support for your three children. You had to convince me you're not as irresponsible as you appear. The child support system, it, it revels in dysfunction. What you have are people like myself who've never been locked up before, but all of a sudden you find yourself in prison. The child support system, even though it doesn't target an individual, what it does, it puts a price on an individual's head. And, you know, you provide this money or else you're a deadbeat father. There was one point where they was fining me $100 a day to bring in some information that I knew nothing about. One thing I think a lot of guys don't do is when they're faced with an issue or faced with a dilemma, or even a choice, what are the things that could possibly go wrong? If you have a relationship with someone and it is a negative, there's negative interactions there, then I would learn I don't like these qualities. Make sure you take care of your children. And a lot of kids out here think their fathers don't love them and don't want to be with them, but it's not the father all the time. The mother wants to be vindictive and try to hurt you mm -hmm. and doesn't keep in mind the child's being hurt even more than the man. I've got a 22-year-old son, and we're just, we're just patching our ways now. I remember. I would go in the bottom dollar, and I had $13, man. I had to feed him that night, and I had to um, pack lunch for the next day. It was just rough. It was real rough, you know, because the first time I ever let that out. Barring the idea that it's his fault, there's been a systematic plan mm -hmm. to strip the black man of self. It's systematic. I can say that I've not been everybody's favorite person in this journey, but the reality of it is, is that I'm still here. Wow. So obviously we, after sitting down and watching this, it, um, you know, there's a lot of reaction from my part. You, you, you guys took the time to watch it. Give us your, and full disclosure, he takes this from a specific vantage point of black men, right? The value of it was still very, very strong and very relevant to this conversation. Give us your reactions to this. Craig, I called a little reaction from you as we played the trailer. What, um, you know, what, what, what did you, what went through your mind as you watched this documentary unfold? Um, that it's, it's, first of all, it's nothing but black men that seem to be catching the, uh, the, the worst end of it. And um, it's just a, it's just a horrible picture that's being painted as far as black men are concerned. Mm -hmm. Because I know countless uh, men Black men that are the uh, the, uh, the the breadwinner. The, even they're not they're not in the house with their children, mm -hmm. but they are because they uphold it. It's it's functioning right because of them. You know the 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 the, the female might not be cool with what he's doing as far as because he's not with her, but we see a lot of times where you know the female gets in her feelings and and she plays these games. You understand that that places these men here. Mm -hmm. You understand, so it's 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 not only the the uh, the the support system, but it's a a, a miseducation of mm -hmm. a lot of the females that 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 we deal with as well. So before we played the clip, you referred to it a little bit, and um, just on your feelings of it, Tammy, when you watched it, what went through your mind? There was one sister represented in there as well. They got that that perspective. How did you feel about the documentary? My feelings are, are echoes Craig's to a point, but then to the other side. As um, a female, African-American female, who was raised in a dual household, whose 
responsibility was that uh, I ran back and forth between my parents all the time um, for various things. I watched the two of them work together to get me grown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so when I see this and I hear this, I come back to what you were saying earlier, that it's a separation of along the, the, the gender and the gender roles. Unfortunately, I have to go back to, are we thinking about what's best for the mm-hmm. child, period? Because no. if we're thinking about children, one of the reasons I never had children, Marcus, is because I was always looking for someone that I could work with. I think we need to think about that before we have children. Analyze the situation. Analyze the situation ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Because I never was able to find someone who I thought that I could work this out for long term. Mm And, 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 and that's a big deal because, like you're saying, she gets in her feelings. We can't forget he got feelings, too. See, we tell men we, they can't have feelings, but y'all got feelings. Men get in their feelings, too. <laughs> y'all got feelings, and y'all let us know about your feelings. <laughs> so just as well as we let y'all. So um, especially around your seed, as you all mm-hmm. call it. And so I, have, I, have, I, have, I struggle with this video of portraying black men in the inner city where I'm from, mm. <laughs> where my peoples are from, as heinous men and as women as vindictive. Mm. And you, you've got large and small. Obviously, you're from the, the, the city here. You're deep roots in Baltimore, so you've mm-hmm. seen this large and small city. For a documentary that leaned toward the vantage point of African-American men and for an African-American producer, when he and I spoke on the phone, and I'll play a clip for you, an audio clip for you in just a second, so that you can hear his reasoning for making this documentary. He had a quote, or he had stats on the screen. And of those stats, it said, all races, we're talking about percentage of births out of wedlock. You mentioned inspect the situation ahead of time. 40.6% all races. The breakdown here, 28.6% white, non-Hispanic. 52.5% Hispanic. 72.3% 72.3% black, not Hispanic. When you saw that stat, what? because that caught my attention. I'm thinking, okay, this is it's an African-American male who did the documentary, but that stat is in there. What went through your mind? Craig, we'll start with you. It came from our vantage point. What went through your mind when you saw that stat? Um, actually, conspiracy. Mm. It's first thing. It's conspiracy set up. You know, and, and, and I go back to, you know, placing the black male against the, the female thing. You know, use her to get him. It's a conspiracy to me because mm-hmm. that that number is too high. Mm-hmm. Why is it that high? It's not that high accidentally. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not in control of that. You know, so it's a game. It has, and it has nothing to do with the children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. And that's a whole other, other show, and that's, that is another component of this. When you start unpacking it, <clears throat> you hear a lot of the racial and cultural history mm-hmm. that starts to unfold in this conversation as well. I want to play this clip. I talked to um, Mr. Dowdell on the phone, and he gave us just a, a real quick synopsis as to why the impetus behind creating this documentary. I had never thought about doing a documentary because I was content with making narrative features. But I, I was watching, like, Mari Povich one day, and I was like, damn, every time they show black men on these shows, it's like they look like they're just absentee fathers. They're fighting with the with the spouse. They hate the spouse, and they don't want to be a father. They, they show this little cute little baby on the screen. It's like, you are not the father, and the black man's always dancing around and glad he's not the parent. Or if he is the parent, He's not happy about it. He still is in contentious relationships with the spouse. And I was like, people are so affected by the media. I was like, if people see this kind of presentation of the black man in other countries, they're going to think that all black men don't want to be good fathers. They're running from fatherhood. And that's how powerful the media works, because images are indelible on people's minds. If you show the black man always being an absentee parent or neglecting his parenthood, or fighting always violently with, 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 his, with, his, with his significant other, 
And so it's, um, you know, we had an interesting conversation. I think we stayed on the phone almost three hours. And the young lady that was in it, he put her on the conference call, and we got a chance to talk. But there's two areas I want to focus on before we move on to um, Felix Manis and his family. The story of Dr. Ralph Smith. You know, the thing that I did enjoy is there was a lot of, he had a lot of socioeconomic backgrounds represented in these fathers and in the young lady that was on there. And um, from a professional rapper to uh, nine to fivers, but Dr. Ralph Smith, um, obviously a physician, he got divorced and you remember his story. His wife uses the son against him. They go to court, he's painted as a pedophile in court. Uh, he's painted as an irresponsible father. Um, challenging the welfare of the son. Mom had the boy um, testify against his father. And the long and short of it is that at age 22, this young man committed suicide. And, and Dr. Smith died that same year from depression. It's the most heartbreaking part of that documentary. What story stood out in your minds as you watch this? I would have to say that that one pulls on my heartstrings a little bit because um, I know of a father who, as we were saying, the mother really wasn't in a place to raise the children, boys at that. And um, she would take the boys to court. And the father sat in a place where he could not say the things much as uh, Anne was in a place where she could not say in front of her children what really probably needed to be said at the time, you know, um, and couldn't say some of the things he knew about his former wife, both for out of love of her and out of love of these boys. And it took a toll on their relationship. As grown men, they um, see their father as weak, um, because of the things that the mother instilled in them. Um, and one doesn't even talk to him more than Father's Day and an occasional family get-together. Um, and it's his firstborn son. Mm. Um, and his pride and joy when he was an infant, you know. So you see that, and it's, it's a real struggle. Mm. And I also know of another gentleman who was in the place where he worked hard his whole life, struggled his whole life, and uh, through not going through the court system and paying and paying her directly, um, not that she was pursuing it, the court was pursuing it, um, there was a warrant for his arrest and he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing this from that perspective and seeing that, I, I think that's what puts me so much in the middle mm -hmm. is I've seen how this system affects that. But going back to your former question, I, I really think that it also impacts a lot in regards to how we think of black people in general mm -hmm. in this nation. Um, originally, black men weren't in the households anyway. Mm -hmm. And so the women were, were, were primarily the go-to. And in the 50s, that stat was not that stat. There was more, way more. I think it was like 70% of black homes had mothers and fathers in them married. Mm -hmm. So what changed in those years is what we need to see as far as that conspiracy thing you mm -hmm. were talking about. And, and whether it's the poverty and the breakdown of the poverty system, because what I see now is not what I see when I look at um, the perspective of parenting across racial lines mm -hmm. and what people want for their families across racial lines. Well, I tell you what, it, you talked about how one parent speaks about the other. That was, there's two skits in here, the one in the beginning where the father, that court case that you saw, that was a real situation. And the father really did escape out of the bathroom. The other skit that they had was the mother and Robin, I'm going to you because you mentioned not wanting to say certain things about the father of your children or in front of them or to have them aware. And there was another skit in there where the mother's telling the young man, you know, she hates him. He reminds her of the father. T.D. Jakes goes after that in his book, He Motions. I hate to plug. If you haven't read that book, read the book if you are a man watching this. But I digress. So that was one of the heartbreaking parts of that as well. 
What storyline struck you the most in this documentary? Well, since you brought up that one, I don't feel like she had any business having those children. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you just, that's, that's mental abuse on the children. You can't do that. You know, you might want to, but that's what your girlfriends are for. You right. Know, you just, you just can't. That one, that one was very heart wrenching. Also, the one, um, like I mentioned, the the gentleman that was trying to, you know, support his kids, keep a place to have his kids, and still be able to pack school lunches for them. You know, that was that was heart wrenching because it's heart wrenching to see and know that he's in that place because you know she's in that place too, mm-hmm. and and know that there's no real answer and that the kids are the ones that are suffering. Mm. And so, you know, going forward. Since we can't go backward, how do we stop this? And I think at some point we have to say, okay, this is a problem. The system is broken. We may not always agree on all the ways in which it's broken, but where do we go from here? Because mm-hmm. we have to work on fixing the system. The part where my antenna went all the way up was that segment where he's talking to the comedian and he showed a screenshot of a social media post by a mom. And the mom was saying on this post that she was dealing with this deadbeat so-and-so, and and she's so tired of dealing with him. And at the end, she says, I should kill our baby. You remember that part? Mm. And she posted that on social media. So when he and I spoke, he asked my opinion. And I said, you know what, I'll ask my guests. He said, do you think they should have investigated? Do you think child welfare should have descended on this woman for putting that on social media? I should kill our baby. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, that's a definite. I, that, there's, there's no misunderstanding that. Um, considering what Robin was saying and considering uh, prior about both of them being in that position of whether they can feed their children, that in my mind automatically goes to whether the children are in a place where they can thrive, whether the children are in a place where they have support, um, whether the children are in a place where um, e- I, uh, functioning parents want their children to achieve a little bit better than what they have, if not a lot better. And in, so are they in a place where they are providing a platform for their children to perhaps trampoline into something better? Mm-hmm. And, we're, and, and, and that right there shows me that she's not in a place where she can, first of all, I think we need to take responsibility that we chose to be with these people. That's what I'm talking about. And we chose to have these children. So now we have to choose to do the right thing. There we go. <laughs> Craig, to, in every way. Craig, in every Craig, way. what as a father, what what was the reaction with that segment? It was it was it, it was a psychological issue that I thought should have been evaluated by a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but even going to the situation where the uh, young man at 22 committed suicide and his father passed away from depression shortly thereafter, and this woman making this statement on uh, this uh, social media post, these are, these are obviously mental issues, you know, issues that need to be considered. Either you're, 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 you're so far in your emotions and your feelings that your, your, your judgment is, is extremely clouded. So every move that you make is going to be a move made out of emotion, which is no good for the child. Mm-hmm. As you can see, the young man killed herself. Mm-hmm. And, and now she's talking about she should have, what, killed the, killed the baby. Mm-hmm. That's rampant, though. And, 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 and not all women, but the vast majority mm-hmm. where these child support cases are concerned, mm-hmm. that is rampant. And and for this woman to sit in court and and say these things about the father of her child of the 22 year old that committed mm-hmm. suicide, I believe that there was a, an absence of a psychological evaluation mm-hmm. because it's if you're trying to help the child, then you should do everything. You mm-hmm. should evaluate the mother and evaluate the father and then make your 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 decision because mm-hmm. just to go off. Uh, she said that on social media, mm-hmm. but who's to say she didn't get in a courtroom or or an office where there's an enforcer and put on the I got it all together hat? Mm-hmm. You know, when I saw that social media is it's it's used as a weapon oftentimes to try to shape the agenda or shape the conversation where this is concerned. Uh, you're listening to or you're, you're watching or this is next on WQLM. 
and we are talking live in studio. Uh, we've been talking to Tamara Johnson, community advocate, and young community advocate Craig Heidelberg, owner of Dapper Don Styling Salon and um, Styling Lounge and co-founder of Men Building Men. And now we're speaking to Robert Manis, uh, the brother of Felix Manis. Uh, Robert, welcome to the show once again. Thanks for having me. You know, we've watched this on the news. And uh, Monday, June 11th. 2018. Before we get started, Robert, I know you didn't come along. Let's 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 go ahead and see if we can get uh, your guest onto the show as well as I break this down. But Monday, June 11, 2018, Felix Manis, who was in custody of law enforcement, died in custody on work release of asthma-related complications. And again, this is June 11, 2018. This was just less than two weeks before his birthday on June 22nd, where Felix would have turned 49 years old. So I don't want to summarize too much of this, but we wanted to um, bring you both on the show. Give your name and the relationship of uh, Felix Manis, please. I'm Brianna Manis, his daughter, his oldest daughter. Okay. And so Brianna is kind of a surprise guest, and I I thank you for joining us. She came along at Robert this morning, and I appreciate your willingness to come on and speak to it as well. So Uh, Robert, we'll start with you. Just recap um, the overall situation as as this started to happen with Felix, and then we'll go back a little bit into the history leading up to this. Um, I guess he was out in Edinburgh cutting grass, and uh, he had an asthma attack. He told the COs uh, he couldn't breathe, so they tell him to go sit in in the truck, so he did. So I guess it started getting worse and worse, and I'm like, okay. Why didn't anybody pick up the phone and just call 911 right there on the spot? And mm-hmm. they drove him all the way from Edinburgh to Erie. What is that, like a half hour? Mm-hmm. He's trying to catch his breath. He couldn't catch it. And <laughs> he, he's not here today with us. Mm-hmm. How did you find out? Uh, my sister called, my sister Robin called me and, and told me, um, Felix just had an asthma attack and he went into cardiac arrest, she came and picked me up and took me down to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And we started talking to the doctors and mm-hmm. they was telling us what happened. You've got your Justice for Felix t-shirt on and I, right. you know, I've been following the, um, the fundraiser and, and the Justice for Felix social media page and, and I watched on the news as people protest on behalf of Felix. Mm-hmm. Very, very emotional thing, man, as you, as you brought people together mm-hmm. to, to kind of mourn his death and to, to share outrage for this, what was the general feeling and, and the thoughts of all of those that knew him as you were rallying people together? It was a lot of angry people there, but we didn't really display it. We didn't want to get, we didn't want to, you know, cause a scene, but we wanted to let people know that, you know, something needs to change in the work release program. Mm-hmm. They said they have a protocol. Well, I understand you have a protocol, but you just could have just called 911 when you was out in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. And you pass like how many hospitals from here to Edinburgh? Mm-hmm. Fire stations, and drove him straight to work release. And then they still didn't call nine one one when he got uh, an inmate had to call nine one one from his phone. The COs never called nine one one. And this has been picked up on um, nationally by several news sources. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's still an investigating investigation pending. I know there's legal action pending. Mm-hmm. So we'll do a follow-up to this some other time in terms okay. of what was and wasn't done on behalf of the county, what was or wasn't done um, or should have been done. All of these things are in question right now. I know that um, uh, Times News has been all over this thing, and I'm looking at an editorial board article uh, from the vantage point of Times News, and the, the, the title is Man is Death Probe Lacks Transparency. So this is something that the media, people in general, you and your group, they're trying to hold people accountable for this so that uh, Felix actually does receive justice for the areas that may have fallen through the cracks. What was your, um, I'm sorry, first name again, I'm sorry. Brianna. Brianna. Brianna, what was your reaction when you heard about this? And again, thank you both so much for coming on. You're welcome. Um, I was beyond hurt, but... The first call of him being in the hospital, I didn't know what actually happened at that time. When I learned what happened at the work release site, um, I was disgusted and how they treated him. 
like he said, they could have called 911. This could have been preventable. He's had this medical problem his whole life. It wasn't anything new to anybody. Mm -hmm. As we talked in the previous segment, we talked laws and amounts and things of that nature. Two things struck me. The first was when I saw the figure, right. $750. Right. He just, the year before that, he just paid $16,000 in child support. So for him to be arrested and put in jail for $750 was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It was. That's what, a payment or two maybe? Compared to the 16000 he just paid. Mm -hmm. And then that's how they treated him over it. It's ridiculous. You know, the black community, especially in here, there's two degrees of separation. Felix would have been 49 on June 22nd. I'll be 49 in February. So I've known Felix from yeah. elementary school on up. And one of the reasons that this story caught my attention as well is the character of the person in question Knowing him personally, mm. this is not yeah. a troublemaker. This is not a guy who's having scrapes with the law. He's this is cool. not a guy that people disliked. I mean, even in, I mean, even in the video they posted from the work release center, he was in distress, and he's he he's just a calm person. He's a cool, collective guy. He's not um, loud, and he's not rude. He's just a nice guy. Mm -hmm. You know, in the video they posted, he's calm, he's waiting for help. Thing, you know, he thought he was getting help and it wasn't coming. Right. But he's just, I don't see why anybody would treat him like that. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand. The video does portray that. It, it is, mm -hmm. that was interesting to me, that he was, he, he was very calm and just kind of waiting for And you think like at that moment, at that moment he was barely breathing at that moment on the video. Um, but he was he was calm. He was waiting for help. You know, he wasn't rude. He just just how my dad was. Mm -hmm. Robert, represent your brother's character real quick. T tell us for those that are listening that do not know or did not know Felix Manis, <laughs> what type of man was he? Like she said, calm and cool. He was a funny guy. He always had jokes to tell, and he was just a good dude. And he had no problem on the street with nobody. Never did. He was just he was a good guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that because that's my brother. Right. He was a good guy. Mm -hmm. With the, the, the child support system, I know that, Robert, you two sat and you listened to everything that we talked about leading up to your segment. And um, where you've already, Brianna, you've already made a, a very strong point. You, you dealt with $16,000 yeah. and got through that mm -hmm. only to find yourself in work release over $750. $750. And then, like, when I was listening, um, like, $750 was pretty low compared to 16000 just to know how he was in there for a few weeks, the pay on how you can't get ahead. $750, it shouldn't have took three weeks, four weeks to pay all of that doing these numerous jobs he was doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So just listening to how other people can't get ahead with this child support stuff, like, I understand. Mm -hmm. I watched it. Mm -hmm. How did this make you feel about the the system, Robert? In closing, oh man, think different, differently, whole different, think different other system because that shouldn't have never happened. Because they they knew he had asthma. Why would you have him out there cutting grass? I know why he went. He trying to get out of the work release, make some more money so he get out of work release. But they knew he had asthma and allergies. Mm -hmm. Why would you take him out there to that? You know why would you? No, you can't go, Mr. Madness. You have asthma. You're allergic to all that stuff out there. Mm -hmm. But let him go anyways. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I understand why he, why he, why he wanted to go. He wanted to get some money so he could get out of work release. Right. You know? So, I just think different. I, I, I I'm not fond of him at all. Mm -hmm. It's just. Well, Robert and Brianna, I appreciate you two coming on, and I know this segment is short, but I'm, okay. I'm just conscious of the fact that this is a legal matter. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your voices out there. Okay. Yeah. And we definitely, if you're open to it, we definitely want to do a follow-up as this thing um, has some sort of um, has some sort of, of end as you come to some sort of closure. Okay. I want to be conscious of the fact that the family, this is an open wound. This is an open wound for everybody. And when everything comes to an end, let's come back in and talk about it more extensively okay. and, and go more into it so that there's no you know legal peril to your case okay. here. Uh, this has been... Uh, Next with Marcus Axon on WQLM. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is 
you know, we, we talk about timely topics all the time, and we're conscious of the fact that they, there are real lives and real families at stake here. And to have um, the Manus family on, to have the families that are portrayed on the documentary, the families that are spoken about, you know, this is real life for people. And we know that you can't bring some sort of resolution in a 57-minute show. What we did want to do is bring attention to the fact that this is a system that needs to be challenged and perhaps even needs to be adjusted and updated. And um, the voices of people where child support enforcement is concerned perhaps needs to be heard a little more clearly by our legislators in not only this state but around the country. Thank you for tuning in. Join us next month where we, t where we will take on another topic. We'll see what's next for Erie. And uh, tune in again. We'll see you next time on Next with Marcus Atkinson.